Hey, welcome in to the Honolulu Blues. Go green. Um, we're just gonna throw that right out there. My name's Nick, and I'm hosting the show. We got the Michigan loving Julius over to uh, <laughs> to uh, your left, who's watching. I don't know where I would be. When it comes to a normal host, Adam is not here. Obviously, he is out. Um, I believe he is saving bears. No, wrestling bears in Mexico for blind people. So it's for a charity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's good. Uh, I believe. He, I mean, Adam eats his sunflower seeds whole. So I give him a, a chance against any bear. You know what any I mean? Any bear. Any mortal being. And he like, like Adam's more animal than I am. So <laughs> um, we wish him well, wrestling bears in Mexico for blind people. But until he returns from that adventure, it will be just Julius and I rocking the show, holding down the fort. Not too much news really going on. In fact, one thing I'll start I'll start out here. I, I you know instead normally Adam will be like, hey, how you know how has your week been? I don't really care about your week, Julius. So let's just get right into football. Um, uh, Matt Patricia, do you remember him? He was a terrible coach for the Lions. If you don't remember him, I sadly remember Matt Patricia. Uh, yes. yeah, I try to block out everything that was Matt such Patricia. a depressive time. Was not good, but things are looking better for Matt Patricia these days. He was just it was just announced that it looks like he will be calling plays for the New England Patriots. Yes, why are we talking about the Patriots and Matt Patricia on the Detroit Lions show? I don't know. There's not much to talk about. Julius, what are your you know what I mean like what are your thoughts on Matt Patricia being so like he came to us as a defensive genius from New England, you know called plays for Matt Stafford like we couldn't do anything ever on offense it seemed like but I mean honestly maybe our offense really wasn't ever that bad it was our defense that was just atrocious now that like Bill Belichick saw that was like actually you shouldn't be anywhere near the defense you are not a defensive guru um per uh some Green Bay Packer that we signed I can't remember his name what do you think Matt Patricia calling plays for Mac Jones and the Patriots thoughts any of them he's going to be calling defensive plays yep Offensive. Offensive plays. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. The Patriots know something about Patricia we don't, okay? Because, <laughs> if I mean, you mentioned our defenses were bad. Yeah, and our offenses underperformed too. You know, we, uh, we had Stafford in his prime, and, you know, we put some stuff, Hawkinson around him. You know, we had Marvin Jones. You know, we put some stuff. Yeah, Patricia and, and and company tried to put some stuff around Stafford, you know, and get the off, but they underperformed a lot. And so I, that's very interesting, you know, and if it works, I'm telling you, it's just the Patriot domain. Like, it's their, the dynasty that is this. No sports fan outside of New England will ever understand what goes on in, 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 in the front office of the Patriots and the way they make decisions and the way those decisions work out. So I don't think it would work because if, if, the, if I mean, if he was such an offensive guru as well, he, he could have jumped in the fray on us to try to save his job, but he didn't. You know what I'm saying? He stayed on the sideline, scratched his beard, had the little, the little stupid pencil in his ear, made little dumb faces at the camera, blamed, blamed his players, you know, didn't, you know, shun the media. You know, I don't I don't think it's it's gonna work, but if it does, it's because it's the Patriots. <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing, like they're replacing maybe the best offensive coordinator that's ever been 
and did it for the longest time in Josh McDaniels, right? I can't think of another offense coordinator that was around. Like, I'm trying to think, like, I think Pittsburgh had some, like, Todd Haley was a longtime offensive coordinator for Pittsburgh. Um, I believe the the Saints have had their offensive co- same offense coordinator for, since, like, 2012, like 10 years maybe. Yeah, B and E, yeah, like you. B exactly. But it's just it's a it's rare, you know what I mean. Yeah. Normally, offense coordinators come and go. Either you make it as a head coach, you fail, you move, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is. Um, I just can't believe that, like, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. I can't believe that Matt Patricia is going to replace Josh McDaniels. That was it. I'm cycling it back around. <laughs> Josh McDaniels was there for so long. Turned down a head coaching job. Went got it. Well, went and got a head coaching job. Came back. Turned down the head coaching job. Stayed. Now we left to get another head coaching job. And now they're bringing Matt Patricia to be placed. Honestly, I, I will say this: probably one of the best offense coordinators to ever do it. I mean, how many Super Bowl rings does he have as an offense coordinator? I mean, I don't know particularly, but it's got to be more than like two, three, Several. maybe four. Several. So I, I'm 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 kind of shocked about this. I cannot believe Matt Patricia is calling plays for the Patriots, and it won't work. I've you know seen- what I'm guessing real quick, though? Yeah. You know what I'm guessing? That they just think Patricia is so smart that he is going to copycat to perfection what McDaniels already had going. Yeah. He's, he, he went to a he – he's a rocket scientist. You know what I mean? He's, he's obviously the smartest man. He, in the can, he can Microsoft excel it to the point of McDaniels-like results. That's the only conclusion I can come yes. to. Uh, yes, who cares about Matt Patricia and the Patriots? Let's move on. Uh, mandatory minicamp starts uh, tomorrow. What's today's day? The 6th. So mandatory minicamp tomorrow from the 7th to the 9th. Um, I don't believe anyone's missing it. I haven't seen about anything missing. In fact, I've seen nothing but great positive um, videos and vibes and articles coming out of camp. Uh, anything specifically you're looking for? Mandatory mini camp? Any no shows? Maybe or any competition? Anything specifically at all? I mean, I'm looking at some. There's a lot of players because we're talk. We're in the second year of the of the Brad Holmes presentation, and there you start to see in death in places that you didn't see it uh, previously, like the defensive line, like the linebackers. Uh, like the secondary, pretty much the whole, all three levels of the defense. There's going to be a lot of battles, a lot of young players, a lot of veteran players, and um, I, that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm just that's why I can't wait for Hard Knocks. Yes. Oh my gosh, me neither. Um, that is going to be epic. I literally cannot wait for that. I'm going to. Oh, I can't wait for that mandatory mini camp. I'm looking for uh, just positive, positive articles. Right. I want as many positive articles as I can see coming out of the media. Um, I just want to see everything glowing. I want nothing but great hopes and high. Like the biggest thing is injuries, right? Man, oh, yeah. that's what I'm, I'm, I'm looking to see. Oh, no yeah. injuries. Yeah, exactly. We're pre- like nothing like that. So that's what I'm looking for. But other than that, man, basically just make sure everyone gets there. Everyone stays safe. Everyone has a good time. We all have a fun. Um, and that is about it. You know, Great I mean? point with injuries, though, Nick, because yeah. last year's is undernoted that we had one of the worst injury bugs in the entire yeah. NFL on top of one of the worst rosters inherited of all time. So, yeah. And still pulled out three wins. That's why I'm so optimistic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
That's why we're, I'm drinking a Kool-Aid. What was what, what it, 12 and 5? 13 and 4. Don't sell yourself short, but I just looked at it. Don't sell yourself short today. Because that's 13. a 13 and 4 record back there looking <laughs> us right in the face all season. So we're optimistic. But because we had a huge injury bug last year, a skeleton roster, and we just have a lot of hope. We're Lions fans. So we do. This is our year. Um, when we left, what was this about? Four weeks ago, there was an NFL draft. All right. More than a month ago, actually, I guess now we're in June and this was late April. We talked about the first few players and we left off three players, but we are Lions diehards through and through. And we will leave no one left off, especially if you're drafted, because that is a huge feat. So if you were drafted by the Lions and watched our show, hoping to hear about you, uh, and you missed and you weren't on the first episode, I hope you're tuning in now because we're going to talk about three players that we drafted in the sixth and seventh round, talk about a few undrafted players as well. And then we have a few notes or a few, uh, you know, kind of thing, Lions fun topics to talk about if we have enough time. So let's power through and start with the first of the guys that we did not get to via being drafted, which is Malcolm Rodriguez. He was the 188th pick in the NFL draft. We took him in the sixth round. He is a linebacker. Um, I'll start out, I guess, Julius, if you don't mind. Some few things I wrote down about him. Uh, undersized, 5'11", 225, okay? So something to keep in mind when you think of linebackers is, you want, you know, big guys who can who can cover, who can rush, who can tackle. Well, that's everything we get except for the size in him. But he replaces that size with speed. Ran a 4.5440 time. He has great awareness, great tackling ability. And he just loves to be on the field, which is one thing I realized. Big in special teams in college, has no problem playing special teams. In fact, he wants to do it. So that's going to be his role, in my opinion. Um, he'll play linebacker position, but... As we've noted before, we only really play two linebackers per game, I guess. We run out a nickel cornerback rather than a, a third linebacker. So it's, it's hard to get linebacker opportunities. We have a lot of them in there. We just re-signed Jared Davis, Chris Broad, so our board. So um, he'll be getting his, his opportunity special teams, make big plays there. Um, kind of reminds me of like that Rudy special teams guy. He's going to be fast. He's going to be undersized, but he's going to give, give you everything with his heart. He did play quarterback in high school. I thought that was pretty interesting. He had two uh, two interceptions and 13 forced fumbles in college at Oklahoma State, which we all know Barry Sanders went to as well. Maybe there's a little Barry Sanders magic that can hit in, hit in uh, to Malcolm Rodriguez. But I don't expect much from linebacker position. If injuries happen and he has to step up, I do like him. But being undersized, I'm a little iffy on his linebacker play, but I think he'll be a big contributor to special teams, which is just as important, especially when you're drafting this late in the draft. Julius, thoughts, Malcolm Rodriguez? Malcolm Rodriguez. I had no clue who this guy was when he got drafted, like a lot of late round guys we're going to talk about. <clears throat> but I looked him up. I looked him up. Shout out. He went to OK State, Barry Sanders. You know, you hope that 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 jive is there. You know, what I'm saying that 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 OK State good luck that we had with previous players, uh, Kay Cunningham too as well. Um, undersized as you mentioned, but otherwise uh, uh, excellent athlete. You know, he could easily play that nickel safety you mentioned, uh, the nickel linebacker role. He put on some size. He's fast. Um, 
he's a natural football player. Like the remarks from coaches he's played with high school teammates is that he is like programmed to play football. So he does things on the field that for his size and stature, uh, you know, it, it doesn't seem like he get it, but he gets it. So I hope that translates to the NFL. We'll see, you know, that's why he was drafted uh, as late as he was in the sixth round, the 188th pick is because there's a question if that will translate, but I'm hoping that OK State ju- uh, guru is there. You know, I'm saying that good luck. Yeah. Um, special teams immediately impact. You know, what I'm saying and we saw how special teams, special teams came through for us a lot of times last year. You know, what I'm saying, and, and I'm hoping that it gets better uh, with that, with the death and experience. And Malcolm Rodriguez can definitely add to that immediately. You know, what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. overall, I get this pick like a B plus, uh, mm-hmm. not as high as some other picks earlier in the draft, but I'm hopeful for this pick. I'm very hopeful for this pick. Did it get a higher draft pick because this was – so we went into the draft, like, thinking we needed to address linebacker position. Mm-hmm. Kobe Dean fell so late we didn't get him. We went five picks without drafting a linebacker. We finally waited to the sixth round and we get a linebacker in Malcolm Rodriguez. Is that why this grade went up a little bit? Or, like, was he a B-plus just because of the player? Or was it a B-plus – because the position played a little bit into the factoring as well, into the grading as well. I mean, you're right. The position do play into it because right. we skipped out on it. So, so we like, um, you know, we had a great draft, but we still looking at positions we didn't – like linebacker is a glaring hole. We all right. know linebacker has played a huge um, – it has played a huge role in our bad defensive showings. And right now, you know, we got Derek Barnes, who's right there with Malcolm Rodriguez, you know, young, hopeful, athletic stud that, you know, we hope can blossom into an effective starter on a winning team. So and as of right now, our lads, too, just to, you know, for, for clarity, for, yeah. for, what's the word of my little clarity, I guess? That's not the word I'm looking for. <laughs> for anyone listening who doesn't know, Derek Barnes right now listed as the starter with Alex Anceloni mm-hmm. on our lads. So as Julie says, he is the guy. He is who we're hoping makes this big jump. Right, right, right. Yeah. And if he does, doesn't that give you more confidence in Malcolm Rodriguez just solely because Brad Holmes knew to draft Derek Barnes and I believe the fifth round last year yep. gets Malcolm Rodriguez in the sixth round last year or this year, you, you almost did, think like... Mm. He did the same thing yeah. in Los Angeles with the Rams. He did the same thing. He drafted late round defensive where the team might have been weak at at one point back in the day with Jared Goff. Tons of late round defensive stalwarts that that are even still there to this day starting. You know, I can't name them all, but that's a fact. And yeah. it's definitely a trend with Brad Holmes. He, I think he he knows what he's doing in, in, with that in that department. Yeah, that is becoming the trend: is defensive line early mm-hmm. and defensive secondary late, if not undrafted. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And you can make everything work because. Under uh, honestly, cornerbacks, linebacker, cornerback safeties are only as good as your defensive line. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's a difference, you know. I mean, there's an outlier. Um, I'm not gonna say prime Deion Sanders wouldn't have been good if he wasn't with a team with a good defense line, he was amazing. But most of the time, your cornerbacks, your safeties rely more on your defensive line than your defensive line relies on your cornerbacks and safeties, like right. Yes, if your cornerbacks and safeties can cover for five seconds, six seconds, that gives an ample amount of time for your defense line. But that is normally not the case. You need to be getting the quarterback within two seconds, and that gives your cornerbacks and safeties the best opportunity to be successful. So 
Yes, that is a trend trend we're finding on Brad Holmes. Um, James Houston, net sixth round pick. Uh, two, no, wait, hold on. Here we go. 217th pick. He's an edge slash linebacker. Um, I'm not going to make you keep talking, so I'll take the lead on all these. I guess we'll just keep going back and forth. Here's what I have, and I kind of have a long-winded report on James Houston, so excuse me for filibustering here during our show. Um, James Houston, okay, was a linebacker for three years in Florida, right? Graduated from Florida without ever starting a game there. Went to Jackson State University and wanted to play linebacker, okay? But he wasn't good enough. And there's a show on YouTube called Coach Prime, okay? And this is Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, coaching Jackson State. Well, in episode three of that show, there is a sit-down between Prime and James Houston. Prime says, look, look, James, you can't play the linebacker position for us. If you do, you're only going to be getting... You know, you're going to be getting little, little amount of reps. This isn't for you. We need you at a different position. And James Houston did not, it didn't want it. He hesitated. He was, he was hesitant at first. He said, no, I know I can play linebacker. It's like poetry for me. This is paraphrasing, but kind of close to what he said. He said, it's poetry for me. Looking, uh, being able to, to, to get through the blocks, get through the gaps and get to the tackles is art, right? He, he went on this big thing and Coach Prime said, Look, man, if you were as good at linebacker as you think you are, you wouldn't be on my team. Okay, you'd be in the NFL. You wouldn't be on my team. And Houston was a little, like, hesitant about that. It was like, well, I guess I'm just here to do whatever I need to do. I'll play fullback if you need to. And Dion was like, you don't need to do that, but I need you at edge. So he plays edge. Okay, there's that story. Well, the article, right, that I'm reading about all this ends with this, and this is a quote from the article. Houston would finish the season at edge with 16 and a half sacks, second most in the FBS and FCS combined, 24 and a half tackles for loss, third most in the FBS and FCS combined, seven forced fumbles led the FBS and the FCS, as well as an overall defensive grade of 95.8 and pass rushing grade of 95.4 from PFF, which, which both led the FBS and the FCS, beating out his new teammate and second overall pick, Aiden Hutchinson, who finished second in overall defensive grade and pass rushing grade in PFF, only behind James Houston. Okay, so that all is what James Houston is. I'll finish this up by saying in a recent article by Tim 20 Men, he did say that Houston will be playing probably off-ball linebacker. So all of this is about how he had to overcome adversity and become this edge rusher, and he went out there and had some of the best PFF grades as an edge rusher for Jackson State and Coach Prime. And now it looks like he's going to be moved back to the linebacker position, which I don't know how to read that, but I don't really care about that. What I'm going to say is what I what I care about is the, the beginning part of this, the full filibustering story, which just shows who he is, the mentality he has. He is passionate. He knows what he is and he knows what he likes, but he's okay with adapting if, if need be. And he will push because he knows that he doesn't, he knows what is right. But at the end of the day, he'll do what's the best for the team. And that's the kind of person that Dan Campbell wants, Brad Holmes wants. I have a lot of, lot of blind faith in this guy. 
And I don't know if it's at linebacker or edge or where he's going to play on defense, but I like his IQ, his football IQ. I know this was long-winded. Julius, what do you have to say about James Houston? James Houston, you you said most of what I had. I, on. I figured I would. I figured I would. No, but no seriously. I, like I mentioned with uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, James Houston, I had no clue who he was. I never heard his name before in my life. I wasn't even familiar with his, with his Deion Sanders-Jackson State connection. You know, I had never heard of him, so I had to look him up. And we're just adding to the edge. We're adding to the defensive line late in the, late in the draft with a high upside player, similar to Malcolm Rodriguez in a lot of regards. But the thing that pops out to me with James Houston is his numbers. <laughs> like the 16 and a half sacks, never played edge before, never started a game at Florida and graduated, went to Jackson State, um, which I have high regard for HBCU conferences in the double-A um, level, like compared to the rest of double-A. Like I feel like the the Southwestern Conference and, and the HBCU conferences have a, a lot of more – Gym, gym talent gems that nobody ever heard of, you know, and it happens. I can go down the list of players that came from those schools that went to the NFL and blossomed. So smart of Brad Holmes again, you know, I give Brad Holmes, uh, uh, I see what he's doing and I like it, you know, uh, for two, the 217th pick, 16 and a half sacks, 25 tackles for a loss. He forced seven fumbles. He had a pick six and, you know, <laughs> I mean, why not at 217? I get his grade an A. An A. Woo! Buddy! We like <laughs> Yeah, I like him too. Um, this is a guy, this is a guy I want to see impactful in about three years. Okay. I want him to make some splashes this year. I want him to make splashes next year. In three years, I want him to be dominating. Okay. Stay away from injuries, stay healthy, stay on the field. James Houston. Uh, not so long-winded, I believe, will be on this one. Let's go to our last draft pick of the year. It was Chase Lucas, cornerback, seventh round, 237th pick. It's right here in front of me. I'm looking at my computer. I should just be looking right in front of me. Way to be on top of it, Julius, unlike myself. Um, I'll start it out again. I will take all the words that you want to say about him just right away from you so you can just sound like you're mimicking me. Not me. You know what I mean? Make me look good, and you'll be okay. Um, I got it. That's right. All right, that's right. Uh, all right. High school track star was high school running back, um, but moved to cornerback because of his body type. Twenty-five years old, this dude is the second oldest cornerback we have on our team. Can you believe that? Amani Arroyo is the only cornerback on our team that is older than him. In fact, Jeff Okuda who has been an NFL player for two years, is still two years younger than this guy. So uh, there's that. I don't really know what to take on that. I feel like we're drafting um, a grandpa right now, but hopefully he has some time in him. Um, he has been coached by Herm Edwards and Marvin Lewis. That is a lot of NFL experience. That is a lot of good coaching. I know you think of Marvin Lewis, you don't think good coaching, but he was a great defensive coordinator before he became a head coach. Um, oh, wait, no, and I'm thinking of Hugh freaking Jackson, not Marvin. Marvin Lewis was a great coach at Cincinnati. What am I talking about? Still, and a great defense coordinator. Um, his biggest weakness here, Chase Lucas, is weight and strength, okay? However, 
Arizona State saw that, in my opinion, or, well, not in my opinion, and moved him to the inside, okay? He went from taking almost all of his snaps on the outside to last year taking 373 snaps from the outside and 138 inside, okay? Where did I have, where was I going? Our lads has him listed as a nickelback. He's playing inside. This is where we're going. Um, As a nickelback. Right now, third string behind A.J. Parker and Jeff Okuda in the nickelback, and then we got Chase Lucas. That's a way to beat the size uh, and strength predicament, okay? You don't have them one-on-one jamming wide receivers at the line of scrimmage, right? You don't have them try to outbeat, like outmatch A.J. Brown where he's just going to get pushed down. You have him play a few yards off at the at, in the slot position and use his 25 years experience in football IQ, six years in college, team captain last year, and you let him use that on the field. He's still gonna be he's probably gonna make the team in special teams. If he makes the team at all, that's where he's gonna play. But if he has to get thrown into the cornerback position, which we all know can definitely happen with AJ Parker, Jerry Jacobs, you just never know. I expect big things from Chase Lucas if he plays at the corner position. If you start seeing him getting pushed to the outside, we're going to see him get burnt early, and it's going to be tough goings. But I do like the pick. Uh, I definitely like Chase Lucas, and I like adding cornerback depth um, over any other depth, I guess. You're right. I mean, you're right about that, Nick, as far as death goes. Like I mentioned earlier, like that's a, that's one thing I'm noticing the most, you know, is, is, mm-hmm. is the amount of players that's in the freight. And so we add Chase Lucas from Arizona State with the 237th pick in the seventh round, okay? This guy is kind of skinny, kind of small, 5'11", otherwise very athletic. You mentioned he's 25 years old. That's hilarious. I mean, that that we're adding a player. He's pretty much a veteran at this point. He trained with Jeff Okuda. He's been training with Jeff Okuda, the same coach as Jeff Okuda, and he lined up, I think, the most of any cornerback in the Pac-12 against Amon Ra St. Brown at it, when, when Amon Ra was at USC. You know, so, you know, he adds a little bit of competitiveness and, and push with Amon Ra on the other side. That's a pretty pretty neat connection for a seventh rounder, you know. Five-year starter. I mean, you can't beat this in the seventh round. Uh, great athlete. I have no complaints about this pick at all. Even if it doesn't work out, it's a decent shot with a, with, with, with where we're at. Um, we'll see what happens. I think special teams would be his thing if he makes the team. Uh, I get. I guess I give the grade a B plus. You know, what, what we're gonna draft a punter or a kicker? No. No. Um, speaking of kickers, well, that rounds out that. Um, I did want to transition that real quick before we get to our undrafted. Speaking of kickers, we did drop Aldrick Roses. We went and uh, claimed. John Kaminsky. Okay, mm-hmm. so we're done with the draft. Draft was great. We finally finished that up. Uh, shoot, uh, shout Yay. out. Yay. Those three. Um, well, let's move on. Lions signed, claimed John Kaminsky. Okay, eight teams went after this guy. Seven other teams other than the Lions. Lions were second on the waiver board because we had the second pick. Um, and we used it to get John Kaminsky, a fourth rounder. Played four years for Atlanta, 27 games, had one and a half sacks. Right now, our lads has him listed third on the depth chart as, I believe, a defensive tackle. Inside. It's where he plays. Uh, any thoughts on that? 
Julius? Like, is this guy going to make the roster? Why did we spend such a bit? Why did so many teams go after him? And why did we spend our second overall waiver claim on him so early? And like, the right, like even before preseason claim, you know what I mean? Like, this is the question for Lions fans when it comes to John Kaminsky. Do you trust Brad Holmes? Because just like we talked about with several of these players in the late round, this is another interesting waiver wire pickup. Like that, that this stuff kind of this kind of interesting stuff didn't really happen when the prior regime. You know, uh John Kaminsky was the most sought-after waiver wire pick in like the last like I don't know how many months of what waiver wire action as far as amount of teams trying to claim him. And the Lions just happen to be first in line. <laughs> uh, it makes you think something. You look at his grades in low snap action. It's interesting. His tape is interesting. His athletic profile is interesting. Not a lot of to go on. So it's it's a, it's a good shot. I mean, you know, I, I I like it. I like it. You know, he he played with Charles Harris in Atlanta, and it, it kind of reminds me of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like let's take this opportunity to give him a shot. Yep. It's not as – I don't have as much expectations as – I didn't have any expectations for Charles Harris, and he superseded all of those. But I don't even expect – like, I still have less expectations than I did for Charles Harris than I do for uh, John Kaminsky right now because I just don't expect him to really do anything. But if he helps the team in one play, you know what I mean, then that's right. great at least. I don't know. We need to get something out of him, but I don't expect him to be starting. I don't want him to be starting. Hopefully injuries don't allow him to start, and he just is great. Great depth player adds competition to the team during training camp, um, and we'll see a little bit more about him on Hard Knocks, I he guess. Does. Yeah, uh, let's move on to uh, undrafted free agents. You have any of those guys that uh, you enjoyed here? Let you know before I even let you go on that. Here, let's for everyone watching. Let's just list off all of them real quick, and then we'll pop. There, okay. There's a there's a large group. There's a large group. There's 12 players I got, and I'm going to butcher about 11 and a half of their names. Uh, we do got we, did, we got Khalil Pimpleton, wide receiver, Central Michigan. Demetrius Taylor, defensive tackle, Appalachian State. Obina Easy, Ezzy, offensive tackle, TCU. Greg Bell, running back, San Diego State. Nolan Given, tight end, Southeastern. Corey Sutton, wide receiver, Appalachian State. Josh Johnson, wide receiver, Tulsa. Derek Deese, tight end, San Jose State. Few more. Cedric Boswell, defensive back, Miami, Ohio, out of Michigan, though, born and raised. Zion Obed, offensive line, Ferris State. Kevin Jarvis, offensive line, Michigan State. We're getting a bunch of Michigan uh, references. And lastly, Jermaine Waller, cornerback, Virginia Tech. I think those are all the undrafted guys. I don't know how many of them will actually make the roster, make the practice squad. But Julius, after listing all those off, if anyone is still awake, tell us who you enjoy out of them. Well, uh, shout out to there was a Connor Sampson, a quarterback from Western Illinois, got a tryout uh, for mini camp. Um, that's interesting. He he uh, he had a decent arm at small school though. Greg Bell, San Diego State, first one you listed. He got a hundred k guarantee contract right off the rip, and it's for good reason. It's because he showed a lot of juice in his runs while at San Diego State. I believe under former Michigan coach, um, the failure before Harbaugh. Brady Hoke. Rich Brady, Hoke. Brady Hoke. Brady. I, I believe so. I believe so. But um, 
man, he could have definitely got – I thought he had a lot of drafts he was getting mocked in like the fifth round, sixth rounds was a late-round pick. You know, teams had their eyes on him. So it's good that the Lions got him. He can push that death there at running back. That's always great. Um, we invested in two tight ends. We're still searching for tight end two. That's what it seems like. We invested uh, – we signed three receivers, um, really five with the tryouts. Pushing the death as far as that can go, <laughs> as far as pass catchers. Um, a few offensive linemen that we gave some guaranteed contracts to, specifically Abina Easy out of uh, the tackle from T- TCU and the Michigan State guy, your Spartan, Kevin Jarvis. Speaking of Kevin Jarvis, I want to ask you personally, do you have any intel on him, like his play while he was at MSU, um, like – his strengths, weaknesses. Can he can he do something? They gave him one hundred fifty five thousand guaranteed. Yeah, and this is what I listed for him. I'll kind of jump right in with my Kevin Jarvis high, uh, frame, who is one of my three guys that I really want to highlight of this class. Uh, Jarvis started all twelve games for Michigan State. Uh, eight at right guard, four at right tackle. And if we can't we can't forget, Kenneth Walker had one of the best running back seasons of all time. Just tore it up. Behind, and it wasn't like he's a great running back, but those offensive line holes were dominant. Kevin Jarvis was a big play, big factor in those. Um, overall, in his career, uh, Kevin Jarvis started 39 of his 44 games, 25 at right guard, 11 at right tackle, and three at left tackle. Versatile should be a guy to stick around for the Lions. Um, great, great undrafted. Good to hear. Good to hear. Yeah. Um, here, I'll just keep running off. Did you have anything else? Or was that, is that, um, I mean, yeah, it's some interesting pickups. Um, I can't wait to see, you know, what happens on hard knocks. I mean, I can't wait for hard knocks. I'm gonna keep saying hard knocks until it comes. How many days away? I don't believe it's going to happen. How many days away are we from, from hard knocks? Like, uh, I don't know. August 1st is the day, I believe. What? I believe is it August first when it starts, or does it start during the preseason? Oh my gosh, you're you're. I'm gonna look this up right now, and we're just gonna all. This is what Lions fans are looking forward to. This is I can't remember another time like if if Hard Knocks wasn't a part of this Lions coming up uh, preseason. All all we'd be looking forward to is like articles out of training camp and it'd be like pretty tense and worrisome. But since we get eye footage, you know, eye test on the show, you know, we're all going to be tuned in. It's going to give us a better understanding of where the team is and we'll see how the Kool-Aid spills. We're going to have to figure out, we're probably going to have to start doing our shows Wednesday during Hard Knocks because Hard Knocks is on Tuesday and we're going to want to basically talk all about we Hard Knocks. We want to talk right after it. <laughs> we, we actually, you know, you, you might be right. Tuesday after Hard Knocks, I think that would be like 9 p.m. or like 10 p.m. Central, 11 p.m. Eastern. We might have to do that. Um, to. Hard Knocks is August 9th, premiere episode, 64 days away. That is two months, basically. 64 that is crazy to me it is coming right up we're gonna have eight or maybe nine episodes before that show that's it only the tigers were good bummer the yankees just swept us i was uh walking 25 miles in manistee river during that i didn't see a single pitch of that series and they're off today so they're gonna start winning today or tomorrow they four won the twins then get swept by the yankees yeah i know 
that's, that's terrible. That's terrible. Let's talk about a few more undrafted free agents. Yep. I like Jermaine Waller, cornerback, Virginia Tech. A, he's a cornerback, and he's undrafted, so he's probably going to be really good because Brad Holmes took him. A foot injury caused Waller to miss the end of the 2020 season. Uh, played in three games, made two starts. In 2021, he led the Virginia Tech Hokies uh, with four interceptions. He also had 45 tackles, two tackles for a loss, and five pass breakups in 11 starts. He was the second team all ACC. I like that. Those are good notes, good stats. Uh, he should make a big impact. There was two quarterbacks that we got. One of the two is going to be very successful. I'm putting my money on Jermaine Waller. The last one is the Chippewa Fire Up Chips. Khalil Pimpleton, wide receiver, Central Michigan University, Muskegon native, two-time first-team All-Max selection, Max special teams player of the year last season with two punt return touchdowns, caught 62 passes, 960 yards, and four scores last year. Four scores and seven years ago, he also had a 19.0 yards per uh, return for punt returns, and again, two punt return touchdowns. Um, kids fast. James Williams is fast. Cleo Pimpleton's fast, too. Uh, I don't know who's going to be returning punts for us, but Pimpleton's going to have a play in it. There's a lot of wide receivers. We don't have too much time left because I'm not going to make this episode that much longer, but that is going to transition to me in the last topic we're going to talk about, which is our wide receiving core. We have a lot of good ones, okay? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have. Let me go down to this. Hold on, let me pretend I know how to host this show real quick. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, DJ Shark, Amandra St. Brown, Jamison Williams. Okay, those are three mainstays. If we're keeping six wide receivers, that leaves three open spots. Stay with me here. I'm going to list a lot of names Josh Reynolds, Cliff Raymond, Trinity Benson, Quintez Cephas, Tom Kennedy, Khalil Pimpleton. Josh Johnson, Corey Sutton, the last three being undrafted free agents. Julius, I need three keepers. Three keepers. Three guys that are going to follow. DJ Shark, Amon St. Brown, Jamison Williams. There may be four because Jamison Williams might be injured to start the season. But ultimately, when those three guys are healthy, we're going to have three guys. Reynolds, Raymond, Benson, Cephas, Kennedy, Pimpleton, Johnson, Sutton. Can you give me the three guys you believe right now on June 6th at 8, 12 p.m. Eastern time? you think will make the roster? Three receivers. Uh, is Chark, St. Brown, Reynolds in that? Excluding them. Chark. Excluding them. Excluding those three. Brown. And Jamison Williams. Those four. Wait, no. No, no, no. Jamison Williams, Amonra St. Brown, DJ Shark. Okay. So I believe they keep. This is so hard. Look at this. This is hard. And for everyone listening, this was not a scripted segment. I'm going. No, this is not scripted. This is totally <laughs> off the rip from the great Nick Favor himself. That's right. That's right. And this is. A, I mean, these are eleven guys, and these these are guys that last year with this question would have been this hard. Right. So basically, we we have Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond, Trinity Benson, Quintez Cephas. Tom Kennedy and the three undrafted guys. Out of that list, we need three people to make the roster. So I'm gonna eliminate Tom Kennedy okay, for, he for Pimpleton because I because be, I believe Pimpleton adds that special teams uh, value that Tom Kennedy might not. Yeah. 
Quintez Cephas is the name I'm going to push to the side for a second. Okay. All right. Josh Reynolds is, uh, you know, he's a Jared Goff, L.A. Ram favorite target. He made a lot of big plays last year. And I believe he's going to make the team again. So he's a keeper. Okay. So we're down to two keepers left. And then we move to Khalif Raymond. Mm-hmm. Khalif Raymond, I also have a lot of respect for. He mm-hmm. made a lot of plays last year. He also adds a special team element. He's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. He knows the system. Trinity Benson, I believe, is a casualty. He's gone. Right. Add him with Kennedy. Add him with Tom Kennedy. Uh, Trinity Benson, I just didn't see a lot of. He's going to end up being one of Brad Holmes' L's. Okay, he's going to be one of Brad Holmes' L's because he traded picks. He traded capital for this guy. He was a nobody out of Denver. Took a shot on him. Didn't work out last year. I don't believe it's going to work out this season. So that leaves Sutton and Johnson. You know, I didn't know much about neither, but uh, I'm going to go with Sutton. I'm going to go with Sutton. Those are the three. That I, I think are cut. Okay. So Tom Kennedy and Sutton. Benson, Kennedy, and Sutton. Josh Johnson, Khalif. Okay, you gotta cut one more. Just off the first. Then I cut I cut Sutton. I just don't believe that the that the no that low on, on the depth chart until I see. Oh, well, you it. already cut Sutton. You got Josh Johnson, Khalil Pimpleton, Quintez Cephas, Khalif Raymond, Josh Reynolds. I got forgot about Quintez Cephas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I cut that's three, so I cut three. Yeah. Yeah, I cut one more. I gotta cut one more. Cut someone. This is what this is what it makes the big money. Bye-bye. Quintez Cephas. Oh man, I tell you. What is Quintez Cephas's role in Detroit, though, realistically? Like where exactly because he offers a lot of things, but yeah, the injury hurt him last year. It, it really, really did. It stunned it what he was supposed to become. And I don't know if that happens this offseason. You think it's just out with the old and with the new. Khalil Pimpleton, yeah. time to take over. Khalil yeah. Pimpleton is electric. Yeah, he is. He, he Shout is. out Westside, Michigan, Muskegon yep. native. Yeah. Born to wear the leaping lion on his head, you know. And I think he can return touchdowns, put punt return touchdowns. He can go from Mount Pleasant to Ford Field and do the same thing. So, Quintez Cephas, you got to show me the money, man. Show me the money. On the outside, looking in. <laughs> oh man, that's a Mount Pleasant guy right there. Soaring Eagle Casino native. Show me the money down to Greek Town, down to MGM. Um, that's pretty much our show. We're not going to keep this too long. We miss Adam too Great much show. and his bear wrestling ways. Hopefully, he will be back next week for everyone that is listening, watching, um, whatever you're doing. I guess while we. <laughs> While we talk about the Thank line, you for watching. We appreciate it. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Nick Faber NFL. Follow Julius on Twitter at The Fifth Top. Follow the show at Honolulu Blues underscore. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple. Follow us. Subscribe to us. You know, make we sure you get all those shows. If you put Every that star day. like on YouTube, you get notified. If you if you Every start, notified, you get notified. So. Subscribe. Subscribe. I hope I hope you like listening to us talk about the Lions. Um, Julius, one more time. You Shout got out. thirteen and four this year, brother. You see this Kool Aid? What color is it, bro? You see it? There it is. It looks blue to me. That's what I'm sipping. Thirteen wins. Let's go. Appreciate <laughs> no you. Lions. No Lions. <laughs>
Woo!